She's like muted on the Zoom or something. Oh, oh, she's yelling at me in Slack. That's great. Perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh, How'd your podcast Bridget. start today, Kai? Well, Bridget yelled at me in Slack. Hey, everybody. I'm Kai Rizdo. <laughs> Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make the day make sense. It is, I think, what do you want to know, Wednesday. Uh, Rima Crace is here. Sorry, I had a mouthful of water right before Drew started. Uh, Rima Crace is here, the host uh, of the Marketplace podcast. Uh, this is Uncomfortable. Kimberly is, I don't know where Kimberly is, but she's not here. Yeah, anyway. What is she doing? I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Hi. Uh, Hi. So excited to be here. Um, and especially on What Do You Want to Know Wednesday. I feel like I it's know. a fun day. I know. Yeah. So we've got, uh, yeah, we've got some great questions lined up for you. But uh, before we get into them, I feel like we should say, if you've got a question about the economy, business, or tech that you'd like answered, you can always email them to make me smart at marketplace.org or leave a voicemail. The number to call is 508 you be smart. Um, gets to the point. Let's get to our first question now. Uh, it is an email from Krisha. Okay. So, okay, let's do it. She writes, inflation is too much money chasing too few goods. But in the UK, they increased the interest rate and also had a tax cut. Isn't that two steps up and four steps back? Oh, it's a great question. That is, that is such a good question. And if you listen to Marketplace this afternoon, you will hear somebody describe it to Justin Ho uh, as drinking coffee and alcohol at the same time, right? Just it's a like a chaotic it's, situation. It's, it's a stimulant <laughs> and a depressant all at once. So here's what's going on, right? The mm-hmm. UK economy, like many economies in the world, um, is uh, slowing down. Uh, ours is, China's is, everybody's is, for a whole lot of reasons that we've talked about a lot. Um, but they've also got inflation, which is a really big challenge. So the new government, Prime Minister Liz Truss, uh, and her um, Chancellor of, Chancellor of the Exchequer, uh, which is their Treasury Secretary, his name is Kwasi Kwarteng, um, came out last week with what's called a mini-budget over there. And as part of that mini-budget, they said, we are going to cut taxes a lot, and we are going to borrow money a lot to pay for having cut those taxes. And mm-hmm. the global financial system said, the hell you are, and the pound crashed and Gilt rates, which are which are uh, British bonds, right? Government bonds. They're called gilts, mm-hmm. G-I-L-T-S's. Um, those rates spiked. And the Bank of England saw that and said, this is very, very, very bad. Our economy is slowing. Interest rates are going up. We're going to have to borrow a ton of money. This is very bad. So what happened was the Bank of England came out this morning, uh, UK time, which is, which is Wednesday, and said, we are going to buy up as much government debt as we can get our hands on for two and a half weeks and in so doing force interest rates to go lower and mm. thus stabilize the situation. The Bank of England now is trying to, um, uh, yeah, all right, I'm going to say this. The Bank of England is going yeah. to is trying to save the government from its own folly, right? Trust and Kwartung did this for political reasons. They're conservatives. They believe mm. trickle-down economics is going to work. We've tried that here in this country 40 years ago. It didn't. They believe that it will over there. And the Bank of England said, fine, you do you. We're going to take care of the bigger economy. So that's what's mm. going on over there. It's definitely... Mm. Um, uh, uh, a challenge that the Bank of England yeah. is dealing with. So, so that's right, the right. That's the deal. It feels so chaotic. I mean, even oh, yeah. right, the IMF uncharacteristically stepped in, right? And they were like, uh, "These tax cuts could cause a cost of living crisis." I know. <laughs> Just I know. FYI, and, and the bank and the IMF jumping in like that is that doesn't happen. That doesn't right. Happen. So that's a very big deal. Yeah. Very. Big yeah. Deal. Anyway. Uh, yeah. All right. 
So that's the Bank of England and the pound. Pound, by the way, hit a dollar three about two days ago. Mm. Now it's like at a dollar nine, which still is just stupidly low. It's crazy. It's going to make if, inflation if, worse. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to the UK, uh, it's a good time for you. All right. Anyway, uh, yeah. next question. Here we go. Drew, hit it. Hey, this is Jason from uh, Flint, Michigan. And I'm wondering if you can make me smart about the concept of boycotting retailers and companies uh, based on maybe social grounds. I'm thinking about the boycott about Target because they showed same-sex couples in their ads from the right. And then from the left, maybe the boycott of Hobby Lobby or Chick-fil-A uh, based on their stance on LGBTQ rights. Thank you. Mm. Make me smart. Yeah, all right. Um, all right. I'll take this one. So okay. um, boycotts, <laughs> they are a thing that have been around for a very, very long time. Um, they're becoming more and more common. Uh, experts tell us there are hundreds of boycott campaigns each year. Uh, you know, just this year, obviously, at the start of the war in Ukraine, we saw calls to boycott companies doing business with Russia. I think even yesterday news came out that Russia is reportedly mm-hmm. boycotting the Oscars. They're not going to be submitting a film yeah, next year. Yeah. So, yeah, boycotts, really popular tactic on a lot of different levels. Right. Um, But focusing on boycotting retailers and companies, um, apparently one in four Americans, which is actually higher than I expected, um, are currently boycotting a product or company they spend money on in the past. Right. That's a lot. One in four. That's a lot. Right. Um, but there's going to be a big butt later, but I'll get to it. Um, so uh, that's according to a recent survey from Lending Tree. Uh, according to that same survey, the number one reason people boycott is because, I, I, I can also just say, yeah. um, political donations. So people aren't spending really? money at companies yeah, that aren't donating to, that are donating money to political parties or causes they don't align with. Um, yeah. So in terms of whether boycotts are successful, uh, depends on how you define success, right? Like one expert told the LA Times that very few actually lead to any real change to a company's bottom line um, because, you know, it's just not an easy thing to measure, but also because people are flawed. Mm-hmm. You're a flawed species, Kai. Yes, um, yes, we are. <laughs> so, yeah, like, you know, that was the but. So, like, these boycotts tend to lack a sustained effort. People lose interest. They've got other things to worry about or, you know, also can feel daunting boycotting a company that maybe doesn't align with your values but is too embedded in our social fabric and makes things frankly more convenient um yeah and also oftentimes the people boycotting a company are not even the target consumers of said company so there's that um but i should add you know if the idea is to influence public opinion then yes boycotts have definitely been effective like they can threaten a company's reputation especially if there is a lot of negative media attention right it's all about getting a lot of negative headlines um also boycotts uh they tend to be more powerful when governments get involved, Mm -hmm. right? So just like thinking about a couple historical examples uh, during the civil rights era, boycotts of public buses eventually led the Supreme Court to Mm -hmm. rule that segregation on public transportation was unconstitutional. Um, Also during that same time, there was a national grape boycott that played a role in farm workers signing their first union contract with grape growers. Um, But anyway, bringing it back to today, uh, this is definitely a ripe no pun intended, or maybe pun intended. Yeah, uh, no, that, that was, that was <laughs> time for good. consumer boycotts. Yeah, that was good. Um, yeah, 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 I tried. So, um, 
but yeah, obviously because social media, I think too, plays a huge role. It's a huge engine yeah. for, you know, more you, negative attention. You know, what's really interesting on those, on the political donation thing mm-hmm. is that so many companies very publicly and loudly after January 6th and the attack on the Capitol said, oh yeah, we're not going to give to anybody who, you know, didn't vote to impeach Trump or who mm-hmm. participated in or whatever. And they have all, except maybe like one or two, and I don't even know, but most of them anyway, have resumed all those political donations and companies mm-hmm. largely give to both sides so they can play both sides of the fence. Anyway, it's, um, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. anyway, money, politics, yeah. the whole deal. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes yep. sense. Yep. Cool. Should we go on to the we next should. question? We should. All right. Let's do it. Hi, this is Alex from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I had a question if you can make me smart. Okay. The President of the United States has a number of different advisors that give him advice on what to do and how to execute certain things or how to approach certain things. What about Jerome Powell? Does he have a team? Does he have advisors? <laughs> nope. Thank you. No, that's it. Jay Powell just, wakes up in the morning him. and says, I'm going to raise interest rates. No, it's, <laughs> it's a, a really question. good question, right? Because Powell on Marketplace and everywhere else gets all the press, right? He gets yeah. all the attention. Every now and then you see um, heads of various Federal Reserve banks, regional banks, getting a lot of press. Uh, Raphael Bostic and, and Susan Collins, the new uh, head of the Boston Fed. Um, they get some attention, but but here's mm-hmm. the deal. So, first of all, Powell is the chair of the board of governors of the Federal Reserve, right, which is seven people, so they all get input. There are uh, the heads of the uh, regional Federal Reserve banks who all have staffs who give input into the Federal Open Market Committee, which is the body that sets interest rates. But here's the really mm-hmm. the key part of this uh, entire apparatus. The biggest um, employer of PhD economists in this country is the Federal Reserve. Hmm. Not a university, not a separate branch of the government, but Federal Reserve Bank of the United States. They've got 400 PhD, yeah, isn't it? They've got 400 PhD economists giving advice and doing studies and writing papers. I mean, the Fed, Hmm. you know, writ large, but specifically the the main Fed and then the bigger regional banks have huge... um, uh, analytical operations, and they write on publish on all kinds of things. So it's not just Jay Powell. There's a whole pyramid of people leading up to him. He's the guy who does the press conferences. He's the guy who gets raked over the coals by Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of people helping him out. Ain't nobody making their own decisions, as it mm-hmm. were. Wow, 400. Yeah, 400, right? Um, yep. Yeah. I do not envy his position, though. Oh, no. Terrible. Oh, no. And especially now, right? He's getting clobbered. I, I, I do wonder, yeah. actually. You know, I, I obviously watch the Fed uh, press conferences after the big FOMC mm-hmm. meetings. And I would just once... Like some would, I would want some Fed press corps reporter to say, so how you doing? You sleeping at night? Right. And just to see what he says. Like, how's your says. life? Yeah, totally. totally. Do you talk to your partner kids? Yeah. yeah. Um, All right, here we go. One more. All right. One more. Next question. Let's go. Okay. Hi, Jeff from Taylor, Arizona. I have been seeing a lot less of the Herbalize, Princess House, all those other different multi-level marketing uh, games. I was wondering, how has the pandemic and the high inflation impacted uh, MLMs or multi-level hmm. marketing schemes or Ponzi schemes, however you want to call them? Okay. I love this topic, Kai. Do you? Um, oh, that's so funny. Yes. I could talk about this for a long time, so wow. I need to not ramble. Um, I do want to <laughs> say this is like a little digression so that I can plug this show, too. So yes. uh, as you mentioned, I host a podcast, a Marketplace podcast. This is Uncomfortable. Uh, season drops next week. Our trailer for that season, season nice. seven, drops tomorrow. Anyway, 
Excited. Um, so TIU, this is uncomfortable. We did an episode about multi-level marketing. Uh, and MLMs, you know, the biggest companies, if you don't know them, are Mary Kay, Amway, Herbalife. Um, I feel like I was first introduced to it uh, by getting a lot of messages in my Facebook DMs being like, hey, hun. Hey, girly. Hey, boss, babe. <laughs> I know this is super random, but I swear this skincare will change your life and also make you millions. Um, uh. Anyway, so, uh, you know, the idea is that if you sell the product, uh, then you'll get a bonus that that person who recruited you will get a bonus or cut of your sales. Right. Um, so in 2019, the U.S. had uh, more than 16 million MLM sellers. Um and the thing is, studies show that most of these people, the majority of them, do not make money. They end up breaking even or losing money. Hmm. Um, so during the height of the pandemic, we definitely saw an influx of MLM activity. You know, there were even MLMs making these wild claims about products to treat or even prevent COVID um, or just like MLMs in general, trying to capitalize on the fact that many people were losing their jobs. Um, got so bad that the Federal Trade Commission stepped in and they were like, stop, stop doing that. Um, um. But yeah, I do think generally speaking, we've seen a growing backlash against MLMs in the last few years because of, once again, I feel like our current character is the internet. Um, you know, the internet has sort of turned against MLMs. There are a lot of Reddit forums, mm -hmm. TikTok and YouTube channels where um, the folks who've left the MLM and like MLM world are speaking out and pushing back against the industry. Um, also, some platforms like TikTok have tried banning MLMs. Um, and the reason this is a big deal is because... Um, MLMs rely on social media for recruiting, hence the hmm. hey boss, you know, messages. So, um, yeah, whether or not this will lead to any significant change is still kind of an open question. But I think people on some of the platforms are pushing, they're pushing for regulation, for legislation. There have also been some class action lawsuits. So we shall see. It's definitely an interesting industry to keep an eye on. I, I am personally fascinated. It's kind of wild. I didn't. I didn't actually. So I've, I, we did a bunch of stories and interviews. Uh, it's got to be a while ago, ten years ago maybe. On, on mm -hmm. MLMs, haven't done anything since, and I haven't really paid oh. attention to it much. But but social media makes total sense. Makes yeah. total sense. I'm sure your inbox that, is flooded uh, with those messages. Well, you got to set up the filters, <laughs> man, and send them send them all the junk. Send them all the junk. Yeah, right. All right, we're gonna, we're going to wrap it up there uh, on this. What do you want to cool. know Wednesday? Uh, Kimberly is ba Kimberly's back tomorrow. I guess she's back tomorrow. Just a one day trip. Nice. All right. Well, there we go. There we go. All right. Um, yeah, you'll get Kimberly tomorrow. In the meantime, keep sending your questions. Uh, once again, our email is make me smart at marketplace.org, or you can leave us a voicemail at five zero eight. You be smart. Make Me Smart is for nice lip smack there, Kai. Make Me Smart is produced by Marissa Cabrera. Olivia Zhao is our intern. Ellen Rolfes writes our newsletter. Today's show was engineered by Drew Jostad, who also produces our show, This is Uncomfortable. Uh, ben Tolliday oh, and Daniel Ramirez composed our theme music. And our senior producer, person yelling at Kai through Slack, is Bridget Bonner. <laughs> we love you, Bridget. Uh, love. love you, Bridget. This was fun. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. 
Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.